Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Antelope Island State Park Podcast. My name is Trish, and I'm the park naturalist at Antelope Island. Great Salt Lake has made national news recently. Utah's Division of Water Resources just announced that we've hit a new record low on our lake level. Now, I know that if you're listening to the Antelope Island State Park podcast that you already have a relationship with the lake and you understand how dire our situation really is. We all have that friend or relative who still thinks that water in the lake is wasted and really takes the lake for granted. So I hope you'll share this episode with them or just use it as a conversation starter to hopefully change some of those opinions. So first, an introduction to Great Salt Lake. Um, Great Salt Lake is a terminal lake. What that means is that water flows in through rivers and streams, but there is no outlet. No streams leave the lake. So the only way that water leaves is through evaporation, which is why it's so salty. Uh, Salts and other minerals and even some harmful contaminants that we'll talk about a little bit later, those aren't evaporated, so they just build up. Great Salt Lake is unlike many other lakes too because we are in a basin. So think of it as a plate of water. Where most lakes are shaped more like a cup or a bowl, our lake is very large but very shallow. So the water warms up and evaporates very quickly in the summer. Our water temperature right now is sitting at about 82 degrees. So you can imagine that will evaporate quite quickly. The lake is 11 feet low right now. So water is only covering about half of the surface area of the lake bed right now. So as you drive across the causeway to access the island, think about what it would be like to have the water come all the way up, almost to the surface of the highway. And this is what the lake should look like. Right now, our marina is unusable. The docks are high and dry, and you should prepare to walk close to a mile to get to the water line at our beach. It's in bad shape. The lake is really low. So why are we here? What happened? Why is the lake so low? Utah is currently in extreme drought. In fact, a lot of the West is in extreme drought. Um, This year we saw a record dry April in in regards to precipitation and a record hot June. And and July may follow that. Uh, This is all after a mediocre winter in terms of snowpack, and that's what we really depend on to fill our lakes. This isn't all just due to one bad year. Our situation has been labeled extreme this year, but we've been looking at declining lake levels for 20 years. We haven't qualified for drought status until recently, but most years we are falling below average in snowpack, which again is what we depend on for that spring runoff to fill our lakes. Um, Speaking of snow, Utah is known for the greatest snow on earth. That amazing snow that falls on the Wasatch Range starts as moisture from Great Salt Lake. Less lake equals less lake effect snow. Less lake effect snow means less spring runoff. And there you have a vicious cycle. Um, Add to that the dust that's coming off the exposed lake bed. Uh, That gets deposited on the snow that we do get, and you get a faster melt, which is not good either. So other than supporting our ski industry, what is it good for? So many things. (laughs) On the topic of industry, let's talk about sea monkeys. No, the state isn't making millions of dollars selling instant pets on the back of magazines. Uh, Sea monkeys, or brine shrimp, are one of the few things that can live in Great Salt Lake. 
When they lay their eggs in the fall, harvesters converge on the lake and scoop up the eggs to be sold as food for other fish. It's big business. Over 50 million a year is pumped into Utah's economy in this industry. I'll add to that the salt and other mineral extraction uh, that comes from the lake. That adds to a total of 1.32 billion, with a B, of economic output from our lake. And it's not all about the money. Uh, Great Salt Lake is a migratory path for millions of birds. They stop over to load up on calories and raise their babies before moving on. 338 different species of birds have been identified to use the lake, including the American white pelican. Fossil evidence suggests that pelicans have called Great Salt Lake home for 125,000 years. Gunnison Island hosts approximately 20,000 breeding American white pelicans. Also, one-third of the world's population of phalaropes visit Great Salt Lake. Last thing, our own health is at stake. I touched earlier on harmful stuff that's in the lake bed. In the dry lake bed, you'll find lead, mercury, even arsenic, among a lot of other contaminants. Um, As I mentioned, these don't evaporate with the moisture from the lake, so we're looking at 14,000 years of buildup. Uh, You may have noticed in recent years that we've experienced more dust storms around the lake. All of these contaminants are becoming airborne and we're breathing them in. This, of course, is causing or exacerbating a host of respiratory issues. So the fastest way to protect ourselves from this is to cover it with water. (laughs) Fill the lake and reduce the amount of that dry, dusty lake bed that is exposed. Our good friends and partners at Westminster College's Great Salt Lake Institute wrote an obituary for Great Salt Lake, so I will read that now. Great Salt Lake experienced her final glimmering sunset today, succumbing to a long struggle with chronic diversions exacerbated by climate change. She was born 13,000 years ago to Lake Bonneville, who occupied the basin previously, and the Holocene Epoch, who melted ice and evaporated water. Her dusty remains will be scattered across Salt Lake Valley for millennia. We will be constantly reminded of her passing by our air quality monitors. She was preceded in death by her cousin, Owens Lake, who lived in California. She is survived by Mono Lake, also of California, whose family took legal action using the public trust doctrine to revive her when she was on life support. During her life, Great Salt Lake underwent many surgeries and amputations. She suffered blockages in her circulatory system, most significantly a transverse incision by a rail causeway, which restricted the flow of her fluids. Although it was common for her to expand and shrink her girth, the last 50 years of her life were especially tumultuous in this regard. When she was at her largest in the 1980s, the state of Utah insisted that she diet with an intervention to protect her human neighbors from flooding. Ultimately, the thirst of a rapidly growing population upstream, which prevented her from refilling, caused a severe reduction in her size. As water was withheld, she began wasting away. Projects such as the Inland Port, development of the Bear River, the lake's largest tributary, relocating the state prison, and construction of a non-essential landfill put much strain on her. In her frail state, she was exposed to the planet's warming temperatures and local drought conditions. The combination of terminal dehydration and high fever caused her eventual demise. Great Salt Lake had a very salty personality and was known to her neighbors as stinky and buggy. She had the best memory, 
holding on to every mineral, pollutant, and sediment she ever encountered. Noted for hosting many around her table, she fed anyone who migrated by. Visitors could count on being accosted by her pet-biting gnats in the spring, but would also leave her home with the most unique treasures. She loved people, especially those native inhabitants of the basin who built caves and traded salt, but also those humans who built funky buildings and partied on her beaches. A nonconformist, Great Salt Lake was infamous for wearing a palette of intriguing colors, not the usual blue of other lakes. Her wardrobe was steeped in lemonade pink, photosynthetic green, and sandy taupe. It was her northern red waters and ethereal characteristics that drew artist Robert Smithson to Utah to embellish her with his spiral jetty. She demonstrated her care and concern for people by floating them gently in her arms and never allowing them to sink. However, when disturbed, her short temper could quickly whip the heavy waters into frothy waves that could capsize a boat and would leave foam blanketing the shoreline. Although not a skier, Great Salt Lake was an avid donor to the ski industry, contributing her lake effect to what has become known as the greatest snow on earth. During the summer months, she enjoyed paddleboarding, canoeing, and sailing. She combined her love of chemistry and aesthetics to create many rusted pieces of art. She served as a model for many artists over the years who echoed her uncommon beauty in their work. She was a committed volunteer for her local environment, spending her time absorbing heavy metals and balancing nutrients. Always an avid bird watcher, Great Salt Lake earned a Ph.D. in ornithology, observing 338 bird species over thousands of years. She was an entrepreneur, supporting an array of businesses from brine shrimp harvesting to salt extraction. As a hobbyist, she collected old boats, wooden railroad trestles, and an occasional airplane. Great Salt Lake was an award-winning ecosystem. In fact, she was lauded as a site of hemispheric importance for birds. For centuries, she hosted one of the largest breeding colonies of white pelicans in the world. For decades, she hosted the annual Great Salt Lake Bird Festival, the Great Salt Lake Open Water Swim, and Antelope Island's Spider Festival. She was a noted activist for diversity, understanding that life of all sorts was equal value in the world. Once standing in protest, she challenged the Utah Department of Environmental Quality to develop water quality standards made difficult by her high salt content, leading to equity for salt lakes everywhere. For this work, and that for her inclusion of Native people in her history, she is often referred to as Notorious GSL. There was action to prevent the death of Great Salt Lake, but it was too little, too late. In 2019, as she was gasping her dying breath, she influenced the Utah House to pass a concurrent resolution, HCR 10, which would acknowledge her condition of desiccation. Now therefore, be it resolved that the legislature of the state of Utah, the governor concurring therein, recognize the critical importance of ensuring adequate water flows to Great Salt Lake and its wetlands to maintain a healthy and sustainable lake system. While this recognized a need for policy and engagement by stakeholders, the resolution did not fund any specific remedies. She supported Utah's economy for many years, but we did not adequately fund her health care in time. Had we done so, we may not be mourning her death today. Utah regrets the loss of this unique place of its identity, as does the lake's namesake, Salt Lake City. The state is still struggling with 7,706 employment casualties when the brine shrimp and salt extraction companies literally dried up. 
Also, one million tourists no longer visit Utah since the closure of state and federal lands surrounding Great Salt Lake. With her death, Utahns now pay more for their water treatment, and the ski season is limited to just a few weeks. They also are suffering additional health costs from dust exposure and a spiritual loss of this cultural hub. She will be missed by the 85,000 American white pelicans who nested and fed around the lake, and 5 million eared grebes that fed on the abundant brine shrimp in her salty waters, and their 10 million avian colleagues who loved Great Salt Lake for millennia. The greatest loss is the opportunity for folks to connect, find common ground, and work together to save her. Her friends and family would like to express thanks to the many people who pleaded for action on behalf of Great Salt Lake. Our gratitude is extended to state and federal agencies, community members, advocacy groups, and the many research scientists and students who strive to understand her and who spread the word about her importance. In lieu of flowers, conserve water and call your legislators to advocate for smart water laws. In keeping with her salty personality, she requests that her admirers play the song Another One Bites the Dust at her memorial. Okay, many thanks uh, to Jamie Butler and Dr. Bonnie Baxter for allowing me to share that with you. They are doing great things over at Great Salt Lake Institute, so check out their website. It is greatsaltlakeinstitute.org. And we are so grateful to have such wonderful allies over there. So what can we do? Well, good news. All hope is not lost. The outlook to me seems really bleak, but I asked Jamie with Great Salt Lake Institute what she thought, and she had a lot of positive and uplifting things to say. So I'm going to quote her. She says, I really think that Utah is set up for success. If we take action now, including funding for logical legal changes to not penalize people with water rights that want to send it to the lake. A wide variety of experts, including industry, government, and academia, have been working toward a common goal of a sustainable Great Salt Lake for decades. This includes all of the water users in the watershed. We just need to take action. So thanks again to Jamie for that. Another website that I hope you'll check out is for Great Salt Lake Advisory Council. That is gslcouncil.utah.gov. And this is a great resource to learn everything there is to know about the lake and the cost of losing it. One last thing. Many of you have stopped me to ask how the wildlife are being affected with the drought. How are the critters of Antelope Island? Well, I talked to our wildlife biologist, uh, Steve Bates, and he indicated that they are stressed. Uh, Most of the springs are still holding up, so that's good news for now. But he did say that there's uh, always a delay in that spring flow, so we're going to see the impact in our springs eventually. Right now, they're, they're keeping up. At this year's bison auction, more animals are going to be sold to decrease the pressure on the available food resources. As you may know, we don't feed these animals. It is up to the vegetation on the island to support them. So in situations like we're in now, we have to really balance the population with the resources that are here naturally. So that is it for today. Thank you again for joining us. Follow us on Facebook at Antelope Island SP, Instagram at Antelope Island State Park, Twitter at Antelope SP, and you can search for us on YouTube. There is a $15 per vehicle entry fee to get into the park. The park opens at 6 a.m. and closes at 10 o'clock p.m. throughout the summer. Remember to recreate responsibly and stay home if you are feeling sick. 
And um, finally, I would love to hear from you. If you have feedback or topic suggestions for the podcast, please email me at t like Trish, Ackley, A-C-K-L-E-Y, at utah.gov. Ciao for now.